it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Hi, I'm Dan Small, host of Outdoor Wisconsin, and I listen to Where to Hunt. Man, it's okay. I'm Kurt Geyer with Working Class Bow Hunter. I listen to Where to Hunt podcast, and it's decent. It's all right. Hey, this is Bud Fisher with Catching Deers, and I think the Where to Hunt podcast is all right. Hey everybody, welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts, aka the OKest podcast in the Midwest, coming at you from the OKest Hunter podcast studio. Be sure to head on over to OKesthunter.com and enter in code W2H podcast for 10% off. Greg, what up? How are you tonight? Do you race over here like a bat out of hell or what? Uh, bad, right out of a rainstorm. Is it coming down pretty hard? It's it's on its way. It's followed it followed me here. So we had two pretty heavy cells of driving rain. So it was an interesting ride here. All right. So we're in for. Hopefully the power doesn't go out or something. Yeah, it could happen. You never know. It's thunder and lightning pretty good. Murphy's Law likes to hang out in the studio all the time. Yes, it does. We've been through our fair share of technical storms before, <laughs> so it's what it is. Um, man, how's your week going? Uh, feels like it's Monday, even though it's Tuesday. It's confusing. I was like, man, maybe he doesn't know what day of the oh, week no, it is, because I, I almost didn't know. Oh, I knew. All right, well, that's good. Been shooting your bow? Uh, no, I have not. Not yet. All right. Been messing around with some trail cameras. Um, did sit out on the edge of a field last night for a little bit. Got to see one little buck in velvet come out and look around and eat some soybeans, and then went right back in the corn again. It was pretty hot, and... No breeze, so I'm sure he got tired of getting eaten up by the, the deer flies and the mosquitoes. So, but. Poor bugger. Yep. It is hot. My AC is officially on the fritz. It's like, you know, 85 degrees in here, so we have a fan blowing. Sorry if that's messed up the audio. It should be all right. Mm. I wonder uh, if you know anybody that knows how to work <laughs> on air conditioning. We got, a, we got someone coming tomorrow yeah. under the warranty company, but let's get into these call-outs. So, uh, you know, we talk about backwards grind a lot. Uh, before I roll their ad, just make sure you write down or note what their discount code is, which is W2H podcast for 10% off. At a boy. Whether you're at work, in a tree stand, or simply waking up, it's important to be alert. And there's no better way to get there than with Backwoods Grind Coffee. Ground fresh for every order, delivered straight to your door. Backwoods Grind Coffee. Look at that. Wow. Smooth. Just like the coffee. Two cups today. And a boy. Her buddy Tyler has like four or five cups. My wife has like four or five cups a day. Thirsty. Jeez. Needs that extra energy. My goodness. Deal with you. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm naturally energized. So yeah. I don't eat that much. But, don't eat much. Uh, all right. Rolling on to Gumleaf USA. Be sure to head over to gumleafusa.com. Uh, these boots are their boots, by the way, in case we didn't mention that. They're, they're rubber boots. 85% natural rubber. Handmade from scratch. Uh, so they're really, really high quality. They're super durable. The Vibram sole uh, can handle like a million different flexes or something like that. Um, just good company, good ownership, good product. Uh, be sure to head over there. And if you like what you see and you want to pull the trigger, W2H2020 is their discount code for 10% off for their big ticket item. 
and uh, you know the Vector Custom Shop's all you, buddy. Yeah, I'm rocking that. So if you're looking for a custom built to your spec type of arrow, uh, go check out VectorCustomShop.com. Um, you can get them just about any spine that you want, uh, built to your spec with however you like it weighted up front. Um, whether it's 45 grains to 175 grains, uh, the rock and the ethics insert outsert system up front, and decide you want to just try some out they have a test pack it's a two pack you can pretty much tell them how how you want to build if you want them two different ones or two of the same uh, get a test pack and see how they fly play around with them and then you can step into a half dozen or a full dozen and if you decide to commit to purchasing those um, you go to check out use discount code the word the word I did it again. Bird is the word. Bird's the word. Word where, the number two, and the word hunt. Where to hunt will give you 10% off Vector Custom Shop. Oh, yeah. How about that? How about that? Let's bring our guest on uh, on the line. With us today, Chelsea Wilkie. And hopefully, Chelsea, I didn't mess up your last name. It seems simple enough that I didn't have to ask. Uh, How are you doing tonight? (laughs) Doing good, and you said it right. Boom, look at that. I don't know if you know this, but it's a thing. I usually butcher them. Not on purpose. (laughs) I think that he looks at some of the last names, even if they are simple, and he does butcher them just because. Yeah. No, I'm not that mean. (laughs) I'm not that mean. But, uh, yeah, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the show with us tonight. I know uh, we had corresponded on uh, Instagram for a little while, and uh, you had some interest in in popping on, so I don't know why you'd want to hang out with us, but hopefully... um, I don't know. You know what you're getting into here. Yeah, a couple of guys from Wisconsin. <laughs> well, we'll really see what we're getting into. Yeah. <laughs> well, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where are you from? Uh, what do you like to hunt? Uh, public, private, uh, type of animal, weapon of choice, all that good stuff. All right. Well, I'm Chelsea Wilkie. Um, I am from central Utah. Um, I am a uh, public land hunter. Um, my favorite animal to hunt is mule deer, but I'm game to go and hunt anything. Um, here in Utah, we have the ability to hunt just about anything you want. So it's really nice. We don't have white tail, but that's on my bucket list of things I'd like to hunt later on. Um, I'm a team member on Real Camel Girl and on Girls with Guns. Um, I'm a big advocate for women in the outdoors. Um, I go and help out with the ladies, um, hunting camps during the year. I won't be there this year just due to COVID. Can't do much traveling, but um, yeah. About me, my weapon of choice is a rifle, but I do um, enjoy muzzleloader. I will be hunting uh, public land uh, muzzleloader mule deer this year at the end of September. Cool. Rock on. How many years have you been hunting mule deer? Uh, I got my hunting license. We could start hunting when I was 14 and I'm 28. So 14 years. Very nice. Cool. So it's something that your family did and, and you carried that tradition on. Yep. Yep. We've all been, um, mule deer hunters here. Family has been, and we've gone to deer camp every year with my grandpa and, um, just kind of continued it on. That's a cool tradition. Now I get to take my little girl. Good for you. That's great. I mean, that's a big animal. I mean, it, it dwarfs a, a white tail in some sense. I mean, not completely, but they're they can get big bodies. Um, certainly big racks too. But how how are you? What's your hunting style like? What do you 
when you go to hunt a mule deer, like, are you packing out or, you know, public land? It's pretty vast out in Utah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the end of September is actually really hot. Um, so we'll follow up right after the archery hunt ends. And then um, kind of just depends. Uh, the one area we go to is nice and flat, which is really nice if you shoot one there. But that's not my luck. My luck is that I shoot them at the bottom of a really steep rocky cliff <laughs> and then have to quarter them out and pack them out. And it, it really sucks. So we go from one extreme to the next. Goodness gracious. And um, if I'm not mistaken, like th- there's plenty of photos of you hunting mule deer on your, on your, uh, your Instagram profile. Like how many have you tagged? Um, I think I've only went like three or four years, um, since I started hunting of not actually shooting a deer. Um, and that's usually the years that I don't draw a tag out of the draw. So but we've kind of figured it out where we'll one year we'll put in for rifle. And then if we draw then the next year, we put in for muzzleloader. And so we can kind of um, make sure that at least either my husband or myself get the tag. So we got meat for the year. That's good. So you're eating the meat and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. probably one of the best benefits of being a hunter yep. is the ability to fill your freezer. I've never hunted a mule deer. Greg and I are starting to plan an elk hunting trip likely to Colorado. So that'll be the biggest game I'll be after. Um, but that's in 2021. So we got a little bit of time to go before that happens. Right. We do. But honestly, mule deer has always been kind of a, an animal I've always wanted to chase as a kid. I remember picking up the King's Outdoor World magazines from the store and looking at some of the monster mule deer from out west, Utah and Arizona, and just going, yeah, I'm going to go chase one of those someday. And haven't done it yet. So putting in for points in Arizona on the strip. It'll probably take me till I die till I get enough points to get that, but I'm going to keep trying. Yep. Looking for other places to just get my feet wet with mule deer hunting anyway. So it's always been a a cool creature to me to to go chase down. Well, I'm, uh, you know, based on the... They are there. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry about that. I'm really good at interrupting, I promise. I'll try not to do more. You're good. I'm just saying that, that, yes, they are. I just was agreeing. Um, you know, one thing I think that we were looking to talk about, so like, I think you're probably the third woman on the podcast and we're on episode like 139 or something like that. And, uh, that just goes to talk about like the ratio here in that this is traditionally hunting has been a a male populated kind of community. And, uh, there's been a lot of uh, gals that have been getting into hunting over the years. And, uh, I love to hear your perspective on that it's not even like we've had a couple we've had uh allison rauscher on and uh steph uh busenbark and but we didn't really touch on that particular topic we just kind of rolled with some some content i'd love to hear your perspective um being a member of some other communities what, what that what that journey is like for you what that's been like so it's it's kind of it is kind of a difficult thing um for women just because it is a male dominated sport. But, um, what's really fun is when you walk into like Cabela's or Bass Pro and, or out here in Utah Sportsman's Warehouse and you go and you're looking at optics or, um, rifles or something. And, uh, the sales clerk will look right past me and look at my husband and ask him 
well, so what are you shopping for? And he goes, oh, we're, uh, my wife's just looking for some stuff. And they kind of just look at him like he's insane. And then I'll start asking him some questions about, like, you know, like about the bold action between these two rifles or um, if the packed powder works great in these muzzleloaders because it works better for the terrain we're in. And I'll just start asking a bunch of questions. And you can kind of just see, like, their eyes kind of grow like, is this, is this girl serious? She knows what she's talking about. And I think that's kind of the thing that uh, people don't realize is that just because we're women doesn't mean that we can't be knowledgeable in this sport as well. And um, it is growing though. Um, I'm part of the camel girl. I'm one of the original team members and, um, and, uh, our uh, community um, on Facebook has grown from, I think last year we were sitting at about 3,000 members, and now we're pushing 10,000. And that's, it's insane. It's um, all over the country, and we're even getting people from Canada, Africa. And so it's growing quite rapidly, and it's women are now realizing that um, that – now that there is women clothing lines and boots and there's actually guns made for women now um, that we can enjoy this sport and actually have stuff that is catered to us to make us successful. That's cool. I mean, 3,000 to 10,000 in one year, 7,000 person increase from around kind of the, the globe, really, not even just the, the country from all over. You said Africa and you cut out for just a second there, but I think we picked up most of it. Um, what what is Real Camera Girl? Maybe take a, a moment to tell us what what that what you guys are all about, what that organization does and is. So Real Camel Girl is um, our slogan is um, the outdoor life, but only prettier. Um, we are a um, Facebook page, like a group, um, where we post our hunts, questions, um, anything you want to talk about, and it's a no um, judge zone. So. You can come on. We have brand new hunters that are starting this year to well-seasoned hunters that have been doing it since they could walk. And so we've got all of this knowledge between all of these women, and we're there to bring each other together, lift each other up, and help each other out. That's cool. And you said you're one of the original team members for that, so you kind of were a part of that that growth and that vision? Yep, yep. You guys do any like get togethers or, or like plan any hunts throughout the year? Yeah. So we actually did have um, a shed hunting uh, trip that we kind of talked about um, for Utah this year, but due to Corona, we haven't done anything fun this year, but um, we were talking about later in the year doing um, some fishing trips. Um, we're wanting to do uh, an antelope hunt. Um, thinking about probably doing that next year. So now that we've got a whole uh, team, we're thinking of a large get-together because our team is based from one coast to the next, so we are scattered all over the United States. Sure. That's hard to coordinate some of that stuff, but it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, like I have, so I have a going to be three-year-old daughter, right? So if you think about the trajectory of you know, the grow, the growth of women in the hunting industry, uh, and you talk about the 3000 to 10,000, um, you know, it's my hope that 
she feels right at home in that community when I bring her to deer camp when she's old enough. If she wants to, certainly not going to push her in it, but if she shows interest, you know, I'll help her lean into it and, and give her everything that she needs. And I love her more than I love pretty much anything right along with my wife and my son. And you know, I brought my wife hunting with me. She's just, she just thought it was too boring. It had nothing to do with her being a woman. She's just not, it's just not her speed. Um, you know, yeah. my daughter, I, it's just good to know that there's people like yourself that are kind of blazing the trail and leading the charge. And I, like I mentioned, I know some others that are, are doing some great things in the outdoor space too. And um, you have a whole nother segment of these, you know, what I'll call hunt, like, you know, um, social media huntresses where they're holding their bow upside down, but they're in a bikini, you know, that's them trying to exploit themselves yeah. to, you know, um, you know, reach the male demographic and, Unfortunately, that almost makes it harder for the girls that are taking it seriously to, you know, be taken, be taken seriously. seriously. It's kind of ridiculous almost. So they're um, just, those, those people are just hunting for likes. That's all they're doing. That's a good way to say it, Greg. Hunting for likes. Yep. Yep. All right. We're going to take a quick break for the shot of the week. All right, the shot of the week is brought to you by Vector Custom Shop. Head on over to VectorCustomShop.com and enter in code WHERE, the number two, the word hunt, for 10% off. And I recommend starting with their sampler pack, get two arrows, and see how that's going to work for you. Look, these guys build arrows custom built to your specs. So depending on what type of bow you shoot specifically, your draw length and weight and what type of animal and game you're hunting, whether you're hunting on the ground or in a uh, saddle or a tree stand, whatever it is you're doing, they're going to collect all of that information and then they're going to work with ethics, archery, insert, outsert system to build an arrow that's uniquely yours and they're going to ship it right to your door. So again, head on over to VectorCustomShop.com, enter in code W2H podcast to save 10%. Let's hear from our uh, caller Zebediah out of Sparta, Wisconsin for the shot of the week this week. So there's a buck. He was, I don't know, 140 some, whatever it is. I really don't care too much about score, but uh, so there's the buck. And uh, I was actually duck hunting in the opener for Minnesota the morning of, and I was sitting in the stand. I put my wife where I thought all the deer were going to be coming out. Okay. And my brother had been there the morning of, and he shot a doe. And I just want to take my wife up there, have her whack a doe, you know, just have a good time, have her harvest some venison. Well, I was sitting there, and all of a sudden I look up, and I see the crab claw coming from this guy it's <laughs> like holy shit yeah. so i step up and when i help with my wife i give her my rangefinder so i didn't have the rangefinder and i think what a lot of people are missing and not getting in touch with are being able to just look at a deer and say all right it's about that range i need to let her have it and this one was about the same way he was at I ended up pacing him at like about 45 to 50 yards, somewhere in there, but I didn't have a range. And I grew up with a bunch of crazy outdoorsmen that were, you don't need a range finder, you know, the old school method. Oh yeah. Yep. He stepped out. I let him have it. And 
not to quote Rod Daniels, but he didn't go 50. <laughs> no, you can totally quote Rod Daniels. That's pretty awesome. Oh yeah, my God. It, was, uh, it was a good shot. But when he came out, you know, it was one of those where he didn't, I didn't have a range finder and I knew he was pushing the limits, but sometimes you just got to go back to, you know, your senses. Your parents, yeah. You, you just got to send it. So yeah, that was my, my story with him. Thank you for sharing it with us. Let's get back into our interview. Yeah, yes, but then, they really are, and it, it does make it hard for us. Yeah. And how do you, like, and so obviously, you know, you look at, so there was, I don't know which post it was of yours, but this is one where I was, ta- I was talking to Greg, I think last week we were talking about who's up next, you know, this week. And uh, it sounded like one of the meal deer hunts you went on, you had just had your your baby. And, uh, you know, I've witnessed, I have a daughter and a son, like I have not <laughs> at all, but it's a shit show. Um, it is terrible. There's nothing that anybody can tell you to prepare for. And in fact, people literally don't tell you certain things about it just because no one wants to talk about that shit. Um, because it's scary. And yep. you know, like you come out of that and then you go hunting. That's more badass than any man I've ever met just for the record. Um, and so I don't know if that'll end up being your most memorable hunt. I'm not sure, but like, that's a testament to like, I know, I know plenty of women that are far more badass than most dudes that are, you know, rocking a big old gut and can't get, get their fat ass off the couch, right? And they just stumble into the woods and shoot whatever they see, which is okay to each his own. But there's a lot of gals getting it done in a major way. Yeah, we, um, I ended up having my daughter the end of June, so June 27th, and then I drew a muzzleloader tag, and that was the third week of September. And I ended up getting a deer. I hunted every single day. Um, I actually went to a flu shot clinic for my work. Um, We give flu shots at the ambulance shed where I work. And then went out and uh, found a deer that um, we had kind of been watching. It wasn't one of the biggest ones that we've seen, but he was on our uh, list for the year. And kind of watched where he went and then went back out that morning early. And um, I'm thankful for my grandpa because he... Uh, watched my little one while I went and um, went and shot a deer, uh, skinned it and all that good stuff, tossed it in the back of the truck, and then I had to go and sit in at a job interview at work. Mm. So I went in in my nice red-colored camo and then did a um, job interview with my boss and then went and had to go take, take care of my deer. So it was it was a very memorable day. Did you get the job? for a weird reason. Did so you... I was actually an interviewer. Oh, okay, so. okay. Boy, oh boy, they must have been like, <laughs> who is this person? This is great. Yeah, she, the girl thought I was insane. It's fine. That's funny. Like, if you want to see the deer, it's in the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> or you could have told her that it, this is this is the person that you're replacing. They got a little wise with us, so this is what we had to do. <laughs> probably wouldn't have played I should have. Well. God, that's a missed opportunity. Yeah, see. Yeah, Greg's... You know that for next time. He's quick-witted like that. He's got the quips. Yeah. <laughs> Hindsight's twenty twenty. there, Greg. That's right. That's right. Easy to think of after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, man, so that that's fascinating. Like, what, uh, you know, what does the future look like? What are some of the things on your agenda going forward? Sort of maybe, like, planning some hunts or um, you mentioned you have a daughter. So, you know, what types of things would you like to see changed in an ideal world? Like what are the, what are the things that like 
I don't kind of rub the industry the wrong way. Sure. We just mentioned what are some, some maybe anecdotes that you could share with us that you experience as a, as a female hunter? Um, well, for my daughter, I would really like it. And it's camel company. Um, because it's, it doesn't have to be pink. I don't know why that's a thing. We just think that because it's pink, it's for women. Um, like I said, I'm on the team for girls with guns and um, absolutely love their clothing line. Uh, they use teal instead of pink. Much better color choice. Um, I would really like to see things um, continue kind of how they're going now. Uh, most companies are, you know, looking at um, creating different styles for women. Um, they're even getting more like styles for youth where it is more like girl size youth instead of boy size. Cause there is a big difference between um, my one-year-old and my friend's one-year-old. That's a little boy and um, it can make a big difference in the size. And so um, as I watch my little one grow up, I would love to see things continue in a positive way as they are right now that um, the like naked bikini pictures are starting to become less and less, at least to me, I don't see everything, but, um, it's getting to be more of people are wanting to see women actually succeed and, um, put in the work and put in the time and, you know, and all of the effort and actually see them succeed instead of just posing with, you know, their bow upside down and, um, don't even have an actual, uh, blade on their arrow or anything and just, posing for a picture to get likes and so um i would really like to see this trend continue on um as i watch my little one grow up because she's already expressed an interest in it i mean she's still only one but she is obsessed with the deer head hanging in our house um obsessed with the pheasants hanging in our house and so i think she's going to end up being just like me and wanting to grow up and when I was young, when I started at 14, I wore size extra small men's camo, uh, and that's all that they had. And I just barely got uh, a full set of actual women's camo with boots only two years ago. So it's still kind of a new thing to have actual, a full line of women's camo with boots and everything and be fully outfitted in women's gear. And so it's, it's slowly getting there. It's just taking time. Sure. Well, you had it. I don't want to say you had it easy with starting out, but like you had role models starting out as a kid, right? You you grew up with it. Yeah. If say someone came to you and said, another woman said, Hey, I'd like to try hunting, you know, where do I start? I mean, is that something you would be all about taking somebody under your wing and, and, and doing showing them how and oh yeah of course and that's what camel girl is all about um there's actually a couple girls that i met at the ladies hunting camp um in Utah, and they um kind of wanted to get a feel of what hunting was all about we have beginner intermediate and advanced classes and they took a couple rifle classes with me and they took a couple bow classes with some of my other friends and um, they absolutely love, and they drew out a deer tag, and they'll be hunting rifle uh, mule there this fall. So, um, totally game for that, and it's it's awesome to see um, see 
fellow ladies find an interest in something that um, they can do as a family because this is a 100% family-oriented sport. Sure. Yeah, the tradition is like the thing that I probably love most and some of the traditions and just like you know the routines that you take to prep your gear and get ready and you know whatever it is you're going through as well as like the camaraderie and tradition that comes with returning to deer camp every year or what have you greg that's a good point though like you know for anybody man man or woman like if you don't have someone to mentor you through right. what it's like to get into, you just have no idea where to start and if you're a woman that sense of how to start is um, significantly more difficult. That curve is a lot steeper. And if you walk into a store thing and you are finally jacked and excited enough to make that commitment and they don't have anything that is for you, it's a pretty disheartening feeling. Absolutely. It's like going to another country, not knowing the language and not being able to read any of the signs. You just feel like you don't belong, you know, and you don't know where to go. You're like, how do I navigate this? And then you start running searches online. And you're like, oh, there's really nothing here. But it sounds like, you know, that's, that definitely has changed. It's interesting to hear the pink camel thing. I remember when that came out and there's a lot of controversy around it for some reason. Um, you know, I think some, some of it's just to do with like the you know, blaze orange is such a stark color that it does have to meet some sort of safety requirements. So if teal can meet that same objective, that's not naturally occurring outside teal and pink and orange. Um, I don't know what other colors fall, you know, on that spectrum. Um, too many, and I don't think teal really passes as a safety color here either. It's it's pink or nope, orange. Nope, it, it does. Yeah, so the teal is actually just more like their logo and stuff. Um, but I know that some uh, states have passed the fluorescent pink as a safety color. We did. But, like, I, if I were a woman, I wouldn't want to wear pink because I wouldn't want to be standing out no. as, like, hey, I'm the only woman in the forest. That's freaking scary. When you know it's all males and now you're out in the middle of nowhere. And if you don't, if you're really a loner and you're by yourself, like I wouldn't wear that, you know? No. It's like an invitation to say, Hey, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And where I hunt, there's absolutely no cell phone service. So you're just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be rock. I mean, you're in pink. You're just kind of like a large billboard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in so far as like just wearing like camo or having like some, you know, stuff, some outdoor wear that's not necessarily, you know, something you would need to wear a field, but you can wear to support and support the brands that are, you know, doing things that, you know, suit what you're looking for. I think from that perspective, that's cool. Like the teal and, and stuff, stuff like that is good. Um, but yeah, certainly yep. I'm not wearing pink outside. If I'm a girl, there's no way. No. I mean, maybe if my daughter wants it because she loves pink, but she's with me, that's a little bit different. But I wouldn't let her wear pink out by herself. I think yeah. I would draw that line. I'm like, no, don't do it. No. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Um, yeah, the sizes and all that stuff. And you said there, there's even guns that are made for women. Like, what? Uh, tell me more about that. Like, what? Like, is that a color thing or is that the ergonomics? So it's more of like the stock. Um, it's the Weatherby Camilla um, rifle made for women, and the shock is a little the shock the stock is a little bit shorter and um, a little bit lighter, and it's a little bit skinnier to fit women's hands. And so um, you can uh, pick up just a reg- regular Weatherby rifle and the women's rifle, and the weight difference and the size difference is it's so much nicer for us women because I'm just used to you get what you get and you don't throw fit, but it's actually <laughs> nice to be able to be like, okay, I have options and, um, 
the women's option is very fit. That's cool. It's good to have options, right? I mean, we, yeah. we as men, I guess we have all the options, right? So if I didn't have that, I'd be like, well, what the hell? Yeah. yeah. There's firearm companies are doing it. I mean, my wife, for instance, I looked for a shotgun for her because she thought about getting into duck hunting because our dog was with us and she wanted to go out and see him work. And, and so I went looking for shotguns and I found a, a Browning, Browning shotgun that fit her perfectly. It was basically a youth model, but Everything is a little bit shorter, a little slimmer. It's definitely lightweight. If she doesn't want to carry it, I'm gladly carrying it in the field because it's like a Red Rider, Red Rider shotgun to me. It's it's small, um, very compact, and it swings real nice. But to your point, everything is, is shortened up. The ergonomics are much better for a smaller frame shooter. Yep, and it does make a big difference. I can imagine. I mean, you want to, I mean, like one of the topics we haven't hit on yet is like ethics and conservation. What, what kind of role are you playing in that side of things? So I am a uh, part of the Mulder found, um, foundation here in Utah. Um, I haven't been on any projects this year just due to COVID. Um, just trying to stay away. I'm already exposed to it at work. So trying to stay away as much as possible for my little one, but um just north of us a few miles, they just put in a bunch of bezelers for the meal there in the elk. Um, and with that, we've actually seen the deer herd um, grow astronomically in the last five years. Um, I uh, took my husband on one of his first hunts, and he shot on his first year, and we had a hard time finding anything with antlers that year. And that was um, probably about nine years ago. And then... Um, we're actually celebrating our five-year anniversary. So the last five years, we've watched the deer herd go from a two-point unit to where we hunt to now it's like, hey, we actually have decent options to where we're not just looking for one deer. We've got five on the list of deer that we can, um, that we would be totally satisfied with going after on a general season unit. And so um, we've watched the genetics come back. We've watched... um, we watched the deer herds actually grow quite um, well. And a lot of the moms are um, spitting out twins. And it's all just from a few little dinky guzzlers and planting the right seed in the right areas. And so we've given them more food and more water. And uh, the deer herd here has grown so much. And the conservation out of that has tremendously helped just in our small little area. But um, I know that up on the Provo River, which is um, about 30 minutes north of me, um, the June sucker is um, an endangered species here. And they're actually starting a new project on that to uh, create like a little safe haven on the Provo River for them, especially in one of the large breeding grounds. And they've already seen um, numbers double on that. And so Utah is making some small changes, small tweaks here and there on um, some conservation type stuff um, and limiting the number of like permits to give out for certain areas. And um, me as a hunter and a fisher, I have seen the changes on these small little tweaks and it's made a huge difference, especially where we have a lot of out of state hunters that come here and um, a lot of guiding here. Um, I don't know if they've noticed it as much, but for someone that's lived here my whole life, it's kind of crazy to watch the deer herd go from you're searching for a 
little viewpoint that's barely legal to now uh, saying, okay, well, we can actually let him grow and let's wait for one of the bigger ones. Sure. That's... So it's kind of crazy to see things go, but well, in five years. I never thought I'd see the day that I'd see it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I guess that was kind of a question I was going to lead up to is – if if you're seeing more people let let them go let them go so they can grow kind of thing they're they're letting them letting them pass or did is there APRs where they're they're you know regulating you can't shoot the the two point you got to go to a four point or a three point or whatever or did they, is that part of why maybe you're seeing uh, an increase in deer quality and numbers. So no, our unit has not been um, has not changed at all on what you take. It's just the antlers have to be six inches. But um, there is a couple units in southern Utah that did that for a couple years, and uh, their deer numbers came back um, great. But um, just with our area, Utah is just a desert, and so the water's kind of hitting this big thing. And I think that um, they kind of finally realized that the deer were having to travel so far up the mountain to get water once the springs dried out down lower, and they just couldn't do it. It just was too hard on them, and so they um, did an experiment and put in a couple of guzzlers, and so they put in a couple more and put in a couple more and put in a couple more um, every year leading up, and... I think that's all that they needed. And then um, they had a couple wildfires come through, and so they um, reseeded with not only sagebrush, but with um, some different types of grass to cater to both sides of the deer and the elk. And um, it came back with a vengeance, and the summer feed is just prime for these deer. And so they're putting on great growth. They've got the water that they need, and... The nutrition is um, top-notch for a sagebrush because I don't know if you guys have heard, but mule deer doesn't really taste that great because they yeah. do eat sagebrush. But when they're actually eating grass and stuff with better nutrition, I mean, you guys obviously see that with your whitetail too, that you get great growth if they've got great nutrition. And so I think just the change in um, feed and having that water more readily available, we've just made a big change on things are um, working here in central Utah and it's been a great great change for them that's awesome that's a, a great conservation effort on their part then to, to notice what they need and actually put you know plans into action and put up the guzzlers and plant the right kind of food for them because I mean they're using calories to go from the lowland to the highland to find water otherwise and if they can't find the right calories to replace what they're burning, their their quality of life isn't going to be so good. And the fact that you had a hand yep, in that, like you're directly involved, like it's demonstrable the the difference that you've put in. You have a direct correlation with um, that success, even if it's a small yeah. bit of it. And then you, you as a hunter, yeah, it. you get to appreciate it even more. Yeah, and it's nice to see your handiwork actually pay off when it comes to hunting season. Yep. We had a couple of comments come through. One of the comments, the, the connection's a little garbly. I don't know if there's a different spot um, in the house for the cell reception. It might be a little better. Uh, someone said they're hearing only a little bit of what you're of what you're saying. So, so I'm going to 
call it out real quick for them to see if we can maybe improve the quality there a little bit. Let me readjust. All right. Let's try this. I moved. I moved a little bit. Okay. Nice and I clear. live in the middle of nowhere, so. Yeah, yeah. You did say cell reception is pretty spotty just out there in general. We have a friend that lives in. Uh, is, what, is it? It's not Salt Lake, but somewhere outside of there. Uh, who's from Wisconsin? They moved there like a couple of years ago, and they, the the Snapchats or whatever like that my wife follows her on and shows me like oh there's a moose oh there's an elk oh there's like it's just absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, I'm sure cell reception takes a, a backseat to the views. Yeah, it does. It really does. There's, I can stand in one spot at my house and get no service and literally move a foot and have four bars. Well, the four foot bars you, you moved sounds better. Service. Huh? It's insane. Yeah. That's great. You're, you're doing a ton for conservation then on the mule deer side of things. Um, do you have an interest in elk or is mule deer like, like whitetail is my thing. Like I'm not interested in much else other than elk because of what everyone says about them. Um, so I'm really excited to give that a shot. Are you going to expand your horizons? Uh, I know you said whitetail is like definitely on your hit list. Yep, so uh, the, actually the unit that we hunt for general season mule deer is actually a limited entry elk unit. And I've got 14 um, years worth of putting in oh, for wow. that, and I'm just waiting for the day that I draw an elk tag up there. Sure. So. That's pretty cool. And you're pretty much already set for it from, from a gear standpoint. You have everything you need to, to go hunt them, right? Yep, so pretty much nothing different um, other than size. And That's the cool. meat tastes better. <laughs> yeah, so how do you here. how do you prepare your meal deer? Like, how are you? You said they might not taste as great uh, based on their diet. And it sounds like some of that habitat's improved based on the efforts you've been talking about. But um, how are you? How are you preparing that meat? So the meat uh, actually, you soak it in buttermilk for about an hour before you cook it. So soak it in buttermilk. Um, that kind of gets rid of that gamey, sagebrushy, not so pleasant taste. And then you rinse it, and then you can cook it however you want to cook it, whether it be hamburger, anything like that. Always soak it in buttermilk first. And then um, I don't know why buttermilk does it, but that's just what we've always used. And then you can cook it however, and it tastes amazing after you get that sagebrushy, garbagey taste out of it. Yeah, I've heard that too, but I haven't heard buttermilk. I've heard just milk. Milk, buttermilk. Buttermilk coats it better. It's thicker. Where do you get butter? Is it like butter yeah, and milk or buttermilk? No, it's buttermilk. You go to the store. God, I don't know anything. Dirt. My God. <laughs> this is good. I'm learning. This is why oh. I do the show. I learn. You know what you have learned from podcasting? It's crazy. Now I've just learned that there's buttermilk. I would have just assumed you were saying butter and milk combined. I was no. thinking like, oh, do you melt it together? Buttermilk, it's higher fat content. So, and even still, I could probably add a little fat content if you didn't rinse too much of it off the meat. What else do you use buttermilk for, Greg? You could put it in your coffee if you really wanted to. Okay. You know what's funny about that is I do put butter in my coffee. See, there you go. You can yeah. save a few things and go with buttermilk. Interesting. Do you like half. ranch? Yeah, you like ranch. You make ranch with buttermilk. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, buttermilk ranch. No shit. That's like the that's like wow, what it's called. I've always moment. wondered. I'm like, the I don't, light I don't bulb get it. has turned on, folks. <laughs> we've, we've turned Look the corner. <laughs> oh, this is good. That's okay. That's cool. That's a lot of meat, right? Like. I think it's interesting that people mistake yeah. mule deer and whitetail. That's a that's a thing. Like in these some of these states where there's you know both breeds of, of animal, you know, hear stories of people like shooting a whitetail instead of a mule deer uh, and vice versa. We have idiots in the north woods that <laughs> shoot elk, thinking they're yeah, deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that story from last year. They're real bright. 
Yeah, the brown is down I thing. You, know, you, you got to still. An elk I, I don't here. either. There's size difference is quite huge. a size difference. Like triple the size. Yeah, more than that. Someone shared a, a trail cam photo with me the other day of like a whitetail walking past, and then moments later, an elk. And it's like, holy shit, holy shit. That's a big difference. A, yeah. Quite a bit more venison on the hoof. No doubt. Wow. And you're in, it sounds like you're in healthcare. Is that a good assumption? Yes, yes. How much of that stuff comes to the field with you? I work on an you? ambulance. Okay, on an ambulance. Gosh, so it's like. You're a medic. Yep. Cool. I rode an ambulance uh, New Year's of. This year, my uh, going to be one year old son had an allergic reaction to dairy. The first time we tried to give him a uh, formula, and it got bad quick. So an ambulance scooted their their so, themselves over here real fast and uh, gave him some epi, and obviously it was okay. So uh, the folks that do that kind of stuff, I couldn't imagine taking a newborn into my hands and making sure he's okay. Yeah, it's it's it's. I never thought I'd be able to do it, but it's just kind of you. It's your job, so you just do it, and you don't even think twice about it. I don't really know how to explain it other than it's just your job, and you just do your job, and um, and I absolutely love it. That's cool. That's cool. I think it'd be, you know, if I were, like, for your husband, it's got to be nice to have someone knows what they're doing. Uh, like, if he takes a stumble or something like that, like, it's a good chance you can fix him up pretty good or at least have a good concept of what the hell's yeah. going on. But if something happens to you, like, well, well, who's going to help you? <laughs> You know, it's fine. I usually just, I'm the mom that just says, oh, you'll be fine. And then if it's still hurting a couple of days later, then we'll go get it checked. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, usually it goes away. If not, then we'll go get it looked at. Sure. And so I, I don't know. That's just me, but. How many, this is a totally different topic. But like how many calls do you see in like a typical evening or morning? So I work 48-hour shifts. So in a 48-hour shift, um, we usually average like, well, right now the kind of things that are opening back up in Utah, we're averaging like eight calls a day for our small rural area, which is a lot because last year we only averaged two a day. So um, we're, yeah, we're up a lot of calls this year. And they've been like pretty like random calls, Hmm. honestly. Not our typical elderly falls or your car wrecks it's been like it's been kind of odd this year but keeps us on our toes sure many covid victims at all or covid patients i haven't yet so but where we're at i think we've only had like four or five cases and we're literally in the middle of nowhere so and 48 on that gives you some time off i suspect for hunting so i think from that perspective it's probably a pretty good profession huh Yep, so I work 48 hours. So I work for two days, and then I'm off for four days. So I have a pretty good hunting schedule. Oh, that's great. I mean, those two so. days got to be really long uh, and difficult. But that, So how much of that, that does that first whole day like sleeping? So it's really only three days? Uh, not really. It just depends. Usually I get off at 6, and then my little one doesn't get up until like 8.39. So I can come home, grab a couple extra hours of sleep, and then be fine for the day um if i'm getting off work at six and then i'm going hunting i just um literally leave work and i'll just go but um it kind of just depends we kind of go in spurts where we have a lot of day calls and then we'll kind of flip-flop and just have a whole bunch of night calls 
And right now we're in day calls, so it's really nice. I get to sleep, but. That's a blessing. Yeah, with the little one around, you know, as well as anybody, that sleep is kind of this mythical creature. You don't really get it very often. It is. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm going through. Uh, it's like it, as soon as you get onto a good pattern, it doesn't last long. It just changes, you know, the moment. Uh, yep. They start getting teeth or just decide they don't want to sleep that night. And yep. Oh, you're they just watching want to party. Mickey Mouse Clubhouse at 3 a.m. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. The Mickey Mouse. Okay, I'll stop. Um, just don't, don't, show, don't show her blippy. That's, uh, that's one that I would recommend if you don't want to get that guy in your freaking head. Or chip and potato. Oh. Keep, the, keep that junk off TV, too. Yeah. Chip and potato. I've seen yeah. that one, too. There's so many. they got to make some hunting ones. <laughs> good luck Yes, they do. Something better. Yeah, that'd be good. Well, uh, yeah, this might be a great time to transition. If uh, we may have already touched on it, but I'm not sure because I, you know, we told you not to tell us. But um, and we'd love you to share your most memorable hunt with us. It's one of our favorite parts of the show. Well, my hunt last year that we talked about was pretty memorable, but um, not last year, but the year before, my grandpa actually shot a deer that we were after for three years. Um, we set up some game cameras in a new area. And got this really wide three by four on our camera. Um, and we named him Dreambuck. Um, a lot of people were after him. Um, huge body, um, gorgeous antlers, nice and dark. He had been in the pine trees and just gorgeous, gorgeous deer. Um, no one ended up getting him that first year that we had laid eyes on him. Um, the next year, he kind of changed up his antlers a little bit and uh, ended up being a four by five with a small. Uh, extra off of the one side um added on more body fat bulked up a little bit and we only seen him one time that year and that was in velvet and it was the end of august and we never had him on a camera ever again that year um we did see him about like a thousand yards away through a spotting scope in november during the rut and then never seen him again after that um the hunts were over by then too so it was it was just a good view of him, knowing that he was still alive. And then on our third year, he uh, frequented the camera that we had um, almost daily for the whole month of September. And then my grandpa was the only one that had a rifle tag that year. Um, and once it came October, he disappeared off the cameras. So we just kind of we're living on a prayer and I uh, didn't see anything opening morning, just tons and tons of people. And then on the second morning, we went out for a ride and um, seen two spikes in a small little gully that we had a camera set in. And uh, that's all we had seen all morning long. Um, tons of people again. And my husband uh, was like, well, let's go check that gully one more time and then we can go back and uh, have breakfast. And so we drove the four-wheelers back down, and uh, we're sitting there, and I'm sitting behind my husband on our four-wheeler, and my grandpa's on his own, and I'm like, oh, it's just the same two spikes. And I'm like, I don't know what you guys are looking at, but you should probably get your gun. My grandpa looks at me, and he gets, like, kind of puffy chest, like, well, I'm not shooting a spike. And so I'm like, look in between the spikes in the oak brush. And so he looks, and I just see, like, his eyes grow, the excitement builds. And um, at the time, we didn't know that it was Dream Buck, but uh, made an excellent shot, only ran 100 yards and dropped. So 
my husband and my grandpa drove the four-wheelers around to the other side of the gully where there was another dirt road, and I made the trek through the gully and just sat there jumping up and down waiting for him because I knew I knew exactly what deer it was once I walked up to it. And uh, my grandpa ended a three-year quest on Dreambuck that year, and so we got him mounted up for him for Christmas, and um, that's our most memorable because we chased that deer for three years. And my grandpa always said that um, back in the day, they used to do a contest. If you shot the biggest deer, then you would win a Jeep. So he always said that it has to be big enough to win a Jeep. And so uh, he ended up getting a deer big enough to win a Jeep. They don't do the contest anymore, but hmm. it's a Jeep winner and it's hanging on the wall now. So Someone's got to buy that man a pretty Jeep. Pretty fun. Whoever's listening, who's got cash in deep pockets, we got to get him a Jeep. Yeah, if I had extra cash, I'd get him a Jeep. But that's super cool. That's a great story, and it's great that you know it wasn't it wasn't your buck; it was your it was your grandfather's, and uh, it's still super special to you, obviously. Yep. So that, that's a cool story for that reason, especially like in the fact that you chased yep, him for three years. That's my favorite deer. And you knew walking up to it that that was a deer. That's crazy. You must have spent a lot of time looking at photos of that yep, deer. So. Yeah, we did. We had lots and lots of photos of him. We probably had him. We had a, him on camera uh, through the month of September in the morning and at night. And he would use that uh, little gully to go get water. And so uh, he had a hook cheater off of his right side. And then his uh, back tine was shorter than the uh, all of the others. And so he kind of was funky on that side. So very distinguishable. Um, he had these, uh, we knew it was him every single year because of his brow tines and they just stuck like stuck straight up and they were about an inch and a half long and he had that trait all three years. Wow. So we knew it was him, but for that year when we walked, when I walked up and seen that hook cheater with a shorter tine and just knew, just flat out knew it was him. That's awesome. And the fact that you spotted him and like call, Hey guys, like, uh, you looking at the same thing I'm looking at? <laughs> you got to see the excitement build. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You must have been freaking jacked. I was. That's great. Like, get your gun, get your gun, get your gun. That's cool. That's super cool. Well, how do people like, you know, uh, engage with you if, if anybody wants to learn, um, you know, kind of how to get into things as a, as another uh, female hunter or, um, the organization you're part of, like, can you point people in the right direction and, and share, you know, some of the page names or websites or what have you. Yeah. So you can, uh, you can find me underneath Chelsea Wilkie on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and then if you're looking for uh, real camel girl, it's just real camel girl, but the real is like a fishing reel. So R E E L camel girl. And you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Cool. Rock on. Do you guys have a website yet or no? Yep, we do have a website, and it's just realcamelgirl.com. Got it. Got it. Cool. I suppose that most people Keeping spend time it super on... simple all the way around. <laughs> that's good. That's good that you found the name that you can get everywhere. That's that's awesome. Um, well, thanks again for your time. It sounds like you got lots going on, and, and COVID's kind of screwed up a, a, a few of those things that it has for you know most, unfortunately. Um, we're all trying to navigate it as, as best we can, and this is one thing that you know we find a lot of joy in doing is talking to people from around the country about deer hunting. So you know, thanks again for your time on the show tonight. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Cool. Well, we'll end the live feed. And uh, for those that know, we produce the same night. So this thing will be live in podcast land, uh, you know, the next few hours. So everybody have a good night. See you. 
All right, this segment of the show is brought to you by eHunter, which stands for Electric Hunt Resource. So it's eHunt and the letter R. Uh, it is your go-to site for anything and everything hunting related. They are the last one-stop shop resource you will ever need. And typically, uh, Taryn or Casey will read some of their headlines. Those guys are super busy over there. In fact, they're actually also looking for uh, writers and potentially some front-end web developers. So if you know anybody, if you're that someone that uh, is an outdoor writer or looking to build a portfolio there or a resume... Uh, reach out to those guys. They are on the prowl and looking for some talent there. Uh, you know, so they normally would call out some of the headlines. I'll call out a few, but uh, you know, they know much more than I do and a much deeper level because they're the ones producing the content. But uh, one of the headlines is Colorado, Colorado hunting may be impacted by COVID-19. Shocker. Um, it says that Colorado hunting may be impacted by COVID-19 this year. Travel has been discouraged nationwide due to the pandemic. Uh, leaving many states to predict how the current COVID-19 pandemic may affect upcoming the upcoming season. But the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, CPW, had initially predicted a drop-off in hunting applications. The state also predicted drops in license sales, specifically from out-of-state hunters. So currently, Colorado is experiencing a static number of non-resident hunters, while, on the other hand, resident hunting for deer and elk have increased uh, Randy Hampton from the Colorado Parks and Wildlife commented this result was expected under the current pandemic. He also states um, that hunting interest within Colorado has increased during the pandemic uh, and notes that interest in other outdoor activities has also increased. So that's interesting, uh, fascinating, and uh, especially as you know, Greg and I look to plan a hunt for Colorado likely in 2021 for elk. Um, you know, We'll see how everything kind of shapes up once we get through this chaotic year that is 2020 uh some other just headlines that i'll read six men plead guilty in idaho to, to a poaching case uh, that was published on july 7th uh, there's also some articles about africa's wildlife conservation dilemma uh, a california woman was gored by a yellowstone bison that would be terrifying and in idaho uh, they're talking about whitetail migration data so if you want to learn more about how whitetail are migrating and traversing uh, the, the public lands, that might be a good one to look at. And uh, Nebraska in 2021 mountain lion quota has been reduced. And the last uh, headline that I have here is, oh boy, I can't read this, uh, Laramie Foothills Conservation Grant. Uh, let's see here, what do they have to say about that one? So the Great Outdoors Colorado Grant was awarded to Laramie County uh, to continue the conservation of wild places in the county. Um, for instance, Great Outdoors Colorado has rewarded Laramie County $57.4 million for conservation product projects. And consequently, uh, Laramie County has protected more than 64,000 acres of land. So that's pretty cool. Um, those are some of the headlines from those guys. Head on over to ehunter.com. That's ehunt and the letter r.com to read more, learn more, and uh, determine and find some of the resources you can leverage. What's up, everyone? Anthony Heller here with DeerVane. Hope you guys really enjoyed that podcast. Uh, this week's tip of the week is related to poison ivy. As we get out and we scout in the summer and even late summer, early fall, poison ivy is abundant. It's all over the place. A lot of people get it and it sucks to get, especially when you get it really bad. Uh, my biggest piece of advice there is poison ivy doesn't really set into your skin for a lot of people doesn't set into your skin for like four to eight hours. So if you're out in the woods, you're cruising around and you think you may have got it, 
or you just want to be safe, which is what I do. I get poison ivy really bad. Every time I get out of the woods, the first thing I do is is get to a shower. So I'm always in a shower within an hour or two hours of being out of the woods as soon as I can. And you just want to use, you can use Dawn dish soap. Generally, your regular shampoo will do it, but Dawn dish soap seems to be the best. Scrub down your arms, your face, you know, your legs, anything you think might have got exposed. And that way, you know, you just, you, you use, you do that preventative maintenance that just really helps and ensures that you don't get poison ivy because it sucks when you get it bad. So that's my tip of the week. Hope, hope you guys find it helpful. Anthony, that is a fantastic tip that's super practical and relevant right now. And there are a lot of guys and gals out there doing their glassing and putting in trail cams, um, all that stuff. So I certainly don't want to get poisoned, Ivy. I have probably could do a better job of identifying those plants to stay the hell away from them. But once you get in that thick stuff, you kind of can't control it anyways. And if I'm lucky, I might get out and do some scouting Friday afternoon. So uh, I'm going to hold on to this tip dearly and make sure I'm within an hour of a shower by the time I'm out of the woods. Thanks, Anthony. Well, as a final point, I just wanted to say thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in each week, if you have. And, uh, you know, for this week, uh, we're working on a lot of stuff here. So uh, we appreciate the support that we've been getting. It's been a ton of fun, and it really all makes it worthwhile. We'll be dropping the next Tactic Talk on Wednesday or Thursday. We'll see which day I want to go with. If anybody has a preference, let us know. And uh, if you want to be a part of the podcast, you can call in when we record live on Tuesdays, or you can send us a shot of the week story uh, through a link in our bio called shot of the week. And uh, you can just send recording in from your phone and we'll get that into the show. We are doing a small giveaway of some where to hunt swag that uh, we'll announce the winner on August 1st for. It's a W2H hat of your choice, some koozies and stickers, and a wood grain uh, where to hunt tumbler that my wife makes. Uh, they're really cool. So if you want to enter into that, it's pretty simple. Just uh, find that post on Facebook or Instagram. Like it, follow us, and uh, tag two buddies, and that'll get you entered. So we'll do that drawing on August 1st. That's going to be kind of cool. We are still kind of gearing up uh, and lining up some products for our quarterly giveaway for our Patreon members. So if you're not familiar with what that is, uh, you can follow the link in our bio or you can go to where2huntapp.com and there is a giveaway page. If you want to learn more, that's where I can point you now. Uh, I made a new page for that. So yeah, that's all I got for everybody today. Hopefully y'all have a good week and you've enjoyed the show. If you love it a whole bunch, uh, please give us your feedback, leave a review and a rating on iTunes. It means a bunch. Thanks so much, everybody. Public. Thank you.